Today's story takes us up the mountain and back down again. Today's story takes us to the heights of transcendent spiritual visionary experience and then back down again to plant mustard seeds in the messy soil of our world. So the beginning of this story, which is when the disciples go up with Jesus on the mountain and see him transformed, transfigured into light, and hear him talk with Moses and Elijah and God, is probably the origin of where we get our term, a mountaintop experience. In the Gospel of Matthew, this is the halfway point of the whole story. This is the peak, the summit from which we look down and see everything else. Now, usually when I look at a Bible story, I try to find something relatable about it. You know, the part that makes sense, that resonates with our lives. Like when we were studying the book of Exodus, we talked about how Moses going to Pharaoh to say, let my people go, was similar to the activists of today demanding justice. We can relate to that, right? But today, when we talk about the story of the transfiguration, when Jesus turned into a beam of light on a mountaintop and talked with God directly, I think we really shouldn't try to do that. I think making this story relatable would dishonor the depth of this story. And I think most of us never have had and never will have a mountaintop experience such as the transfiguration. If you have had an experience this intense, this important, and this rare, please take a white card from the pew rack and use it to make an appointment to tell me about it. I want to hear. But for the rest of us, it's probably better to accept how unrelatable this story is than to try to make it relatable somehow. To make it relatable, we'd have to kind of squash the story down to fit in the box of our everyday lives. But one part of this story is relatable, and that is the disciple Peter. Because he's up there on the mountain having a divine revelation, and all he can think about is documenting it. He's up there literally seeing the prophets and patriarchs of centuries of religious history, and all he can think about is putting up some tents to commemorate it. This feels relatable, and I don't know about you, but that has happened in my life. What I mean is that I have missed important things because I was glued to the camera on my phone trying to document the moment. The photo says Talitha was here, right? But I wasn't really there, was I? Because I was so fixated on what was in my little viewfinder that I missed an enormous rainbow or something next to me. You hear about it at weddings or other important events that people are so focused on making sure they take pictures that they forget to look around and enjoy the moment. Sometimes we even do it spiritually. Maybe we have, we've started to meditate and as soon as we get a flash of serenity or insight, we call the meditation a success and cut it short so we can write down our insight. There's nothing wrong with stopping to celebrate an important moment, but Peter was going to take this enormous event, the transfiguration of Christ, and reduce it to a monument, words scribbled on the wall saying, Moses was here. I'm not saying it's wrong to want to stop, like that. It's important to notice when something is big. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with a celebratory selfie. But when God is on the move, and 
God was on the move that day. We, like Peter, can sometimes be unaware that there is more to come. We have this very human tendency to want to stop and put someone up on a pedestal and ask them to please remain there. Peter wanted to preserve the moment forever by building little booths to remember it by. Sometimes we do this with our heroes. They have some peak experience, a mountaintop kind of thing, and we want them to stop and hold still there so we can remember them. We don't want them to continue on and challenge us more. I think of the way America celebrates the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We have come to a point where so many people remember him as a wise man who said wise words and who did some community service for a few hours on a Monday in January. That's the little pedestal we put him on. And we'd be more comfortable, thank you very much, if he stayed there, but that's not who he was. He was a true radical who was frequently arrested and who spoke against war and capitalism. He was on the move. He would not be satisfied with just voting rights. He wanted a basic minimum income for all. That part of him does not fit well on our pedestals. It's too complex and challenging. When you put somebody up on a pedestal, it limits them. We usually think of this in terms of how then they can't have human failings or, or that we idolize someone and won't see their troubles too. But there's also another way that putting somebody up on a pedestal can limit them, and that is it keeps them from growing and changing and moving and becoming more. See, Peter was willing to have Jesus stop there on the mountaintop with the Moses was here sign. Then they could go tell people how Jesus was the new Moses and John the Baptist was the new Elijah. And if they fit Jesus into a Moses-sized shaped box, he's the new lawgiver, then Jesus would make sense. But Jesus had more work to do than that. He was on the move. Jesus did not want the disciples to stop on that mountaintop and adore him forevermore. He did not want them to make a statue of him and mansplain about him throughout the generations. He did not want to be tamed or limited or put in a box. He wanted people to do as he did, not to stop and worship him in the abstract. Jesus said that the kingdom of God was not just near, but was among us. He preached that anyone could take part in the revolutionary breaking in of the realm of God. He preached the kingdom of God. But it didn't take more than a couple of generations for the disciples to turn around and preach instead the kingdom of Christ. It didn't take long for us Christians to put Jesus on a pedestal and build a little box around him that said God was here, and worship at that pedestal instead of taking part in God's activity in the world. And I think we did the same thing with Dr. King. I think we stopped listening to him, we put him on a pedestal, and we forgot about doing the things he would have had us do. We wish he were still here, but meanwhile, the people actually doing the revolutionary work he would have done are jailed at best and ignored at worst. Our society doesn't take well to prophets. As Jesus said, Elijah has already come again and they did with him what they wanted. Prophets come all the time, 
and we've done with them what we want. Well, after this mountaintop experience, Jesus and the disciples went back down the mountain, and there they found that there was work to do. In particular, there was a young boy who needed help and healing. We can talk about the ancient medical views that mistook epilepsy for demon possession, but I'll warn you, if I get started talking about ancient medicine, it's hard to stop, and a lot of you will get bored, so maybe instead we'll focus on the words Jesus interpreted this healing with. He told the disciples that you could do it too if you had faith. If they had faith, hey, the disciples had faith. They had left everything to follow Jesus. But I think that the issue here is that the disciples had faith in Jesus instead of having faith in the kingdom of God breaking in all around them. The clue we have here is how Jesus says, if you only had faith the size of a mustard seed. Now, mustard seeds are tiny, yes, but that's not why he was talking about mustard. Mustard is not just a yummy condiment. It's a weed. Mustard is like dandelions. It takes over. You don't want those seeds on the wheat wind. And Jesus has already told us about mustard seeds in one of his parables. The kingdom of heaven, he said, is like a grain of mustard that grew into an enormous tree. So if you cross these two mustard seed teachings and translate them into today's terms, you end up with something like this. If you only had faith, the size of a seed. The kingdom of God could plant in the cracks between the pavement of our world and grow and grow until its roots break the pavement apart. That is, the kingdom of God is more powerful than you think. God's revolutionary realm slips in and grows and takes over, and when it does, people are healed and demons are sent away. God is on the move. And God is just looking for the tiniest place for that seed to take root. But instead of turning around to tell others that God could take root in their lives too, the church for so long has been doing what Peter did that day on the mountain, which is holding up a picture of Jesus with a sign that said God was here. God was there with Jesus, but God is also here today and is still on the move, still inspiring prophets and still breaking through the walls of injustice. Jesus preached potential. He preached possibility. He preached that you, yes, you, could do what he did if you would open yourself up to faith, just the smallest crack, so that God's power could come barreling through you. Well, I don't know who you have on a pedestal today, but I bet you've got a hero somewhere in your mind with a booth built around them and a God was here sign. Maybe it's Jesus, who was so amazing and so unrelatable that you just want to freeze him in time and worship him forevermore. Maybe it's Dr. King and you just keep wishing that he weren't gone. Maybe it's Greta Thunberg who's your hero, or Elizabeth Warren, or an artist like Lin-Manuel Miranda, or maybe even one of the pastors who have preached from this pulpit over the years at MPC. And whoever your heroes are, I'd like to challenge you today to stop 
adoring them and start listening to them. Take them down off the pedestal and just do what they do. Can you imagine that? What would it be like to let that kind of life grow within you? To imagine yourself as a prophet, an artist, a spiritual leader, a teacher. Now you're going to have to let yourself off the hook for doing it exactly like they did. Because the prophets of one generation are not going to sound like the prophets of the next generation. And we could fight about it. Or, and tell the young activists that they should be more like Dr. King. Or we could just get over it and move on. Jesus was not the new Moses. He was himself. Nobody's called to be anybody other than themselves. But we are all called to let God move and act within us. God was there, and God is here, and God is on the move. And all you need to do is open up your heart a crack so that the tiny mustard seed of God's revolutionary realm can take root and grow in you. May it be so.